Hello, welcome to Spotlight, illuminating a full spectrum of art on the island. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. This evening, the second part of our chat with Steph and Sonia from the Legion Players, as they celebrate their 90th year. The next of our monthly poems from the Manx Bards. And a collection of short films released online to celebrate 40 years of Culture Vanon. As always, do get in touch with any creative artistic endeavours you may be involved in, planning, hoping to create or would really like to put in the spotlight. Be they poetic, visual, theatrical, musical, literary, online, mime, just email me spotlight at manxradio.com or if you prefer direct Howard Kane at manxradio.com. First, a new book with a difference by a well-known name on the island, Dr Fiona Gale, best known for her marine conservation work on the island or perhaps its surrounding seas, and particularly the formation of the island's first marine nature reserve. But now she's turned author with a fascinating book detailing her lifelong love of the sea and her passion to protect its treasures for future generations. Spring Tides has already had some great reviews, and when I spoke to Fiona, I started by asking if she'd always been in love with the sea. Yes, yeah, and I think that's definitely something that, that writing the book brought out, you know, that how important it has been all, all through my life. And I have been lucky enough to live by the sea for, for a big part of my life, but, but there have been periods where I was far away from it, like when I was studying in Bavaria. And I think in those periods, I really realised just how important the sea was. So definitely, you know, my long family history of being involved in the sea and then working on the sea as my, my job. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a, a thread through my life. <laughs> and of course, it's not always the case that scientists will make good writers but is writing always been a part of your life as well yes definitely so i i wrote poetry at school and i did have a big dilemma i was going to do biology at university but i did also have a kind of secret hankering to do english literature so you know that's something it was always there but then i sort of put it aside for about 10 years and then i returned to it um about 10 years ago um just you know got started writing poetry again and then really you know got back into writing on a regular basis so it's, it's always been there but when i was really busy with writing scientific papers and being much more involved in the science side of things and that it did fall by the wayside for quite a while so <laughs> So what about this particular book? What was the the sort of beginning of this one? Has it always been something at the back of your mind you thought, you know, you'd really like to put down in paper your love of the sea and intertwine it with your life over the years? Or was it something that sort of suddenly came to you in a flash? So I think... All the work I did a long time ago when I first moved back to the Isle of Man around um, raising awareness of what we have in our seas, that I suppose made me aware of how once people realise what we have got, how, how they really care about it and, and just giving, I really wanted to think of a, you know, more innovative ways of giving people the opportunity to, to appreciate what amazing marine life we have around the Isle of Man and about around the British Isles more widely. Um, so about six years ago, I had the idea of writing, you know, some kind of book about fabulous marine life and featuring my favourite things like horse mussel reefs and seagrass beds. But it was actually um, the editor that I worked with, the, the, the publishers that eventually published the book, that that encouraged me to make it more of a personal story. So, um, yeah, I de- definitely didn't set out to write a memoir, but it, it evolved into that. So. <laughs> And what about, because you also write beautifully about not just the science and, as you say, the seagrass, the importance of conserving the seas, uh, clamping down on pollution, obviously, protecting it for future generations, but also something, I think, which has really come to the fore over the last couple of years with with lockdown, 
and how it, the sort of sea just as a, a body, as it were, has these sort of transformative powers. And you see now, I've never known so many people wanting to go and dip in the sea, walk by the sea, paddle in the sea, and just sort of almost this immersion somehow or other has a... It, it's hard to say, isn't it? It's not really so much scientific as, a, as, as an effect on the soul. Yeah, and it's so nice to see that. I think, you know, we have seen that transformation on the island that you see so much so many more people out on the sea and in the sea and appreciating it and in the countryside more widely I suppose because of that period where we, we appreciated it so much because it was you know it was it was all we had in a way and I think what's really interesting is that there's so much research coming out now you know scientific research from um, you know universities around the world showing that there were you know there's, there's evidence of, of you know the actual physical and mental benefits of, of spending time near the sea and and um, and in nature so you know it's it's so nice to see that on the Isle of Man and you know it's something I write about in terms of you know um, Ramsey Marine Nature Reserve which is the you know one of the focuses of the book just seeing lots of people out on the water and in the water on the beach and enjoying it and it's 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 so lovely to see and it and it means that so many more people are having those amazing kind of one-to-one or um in you know um, encounters with nature that that you know that they previously wouldn't have had so, you know, it's exciting <laughs> You mentioned the Marine Reserve there. Perhaps you're most famous for your, for your work on that. People have known you battling away for that for years. Has that battle been won or is this just the beginning, really? I think, you know, with, with nature and climate change, you know, more generally, we're in the midst of a, an ecological crisis, a climate crisis. And, you know, there's an awful lot of work to be done. And, you know, we're, yeah, it's, it's definitely ongoing on the island and globally. We have to appreciate what we've got and look after it properly. And, yeah, um, the, the work definitely continues. So. Do you think people now appreciate it more again, getting back to what we've just been talking about after lockdown, people having so much more link with the sea? Do you think people now appreciate more the importance of things like marine reserves? I think a lot of people do. And I think it's so nice to see, you know, in the... The, the media here, obviously, at Max Radio and the Isle of Man more generally, and, you know, um, in the UK and globally, that environmental stories, climate change and the ecological crisis are increasingly being featured. And I think people are much more aware and much more concerned. And this recent work that's been done on the island has shown that there is a high level of concern um, about climate change and about, you know, um, the wider environment here as well as elsewhere. So, yeah, I think it's it's definitely improving. And I think, um, you know, I think the more that 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 you know everyone understands about how important our environment is the better really because it is all interconnected and yeah I think understanding that looking after what we have around the Isle of Man and the nature that we have and you know the amazing environment we have it's important for us and it's important for our children and our grandchildren but it's also really important on a global um global scale you know we all need to work together on this. So. Do you think it's always been that much harder with the scene as much as the bottom line is, for so many people, unless you are a diver or a scuba diver or such like, it's all hidden. And as much as you look on, on land and if you see rubbish, if you see landfill, if you see pollution on land, it's in your face. You can't avoid it. The sea, we happily pump all sorts of quite literally crap into it left, right and centre. And of course, it's out of sight, out of mind. Most people don't notice. Is that part of the battle that people just don't think, oh, it's fine. It's gone into the sea. No problem. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, up there is one of the top challenges around marine conservation is that, what most people see is just that grey or blue surface and you know until you actually you know it's brought to you if you can't actually go and look at it yourself then then you can't appreciate just how diverse it is so that that is one of you know the main objectives I suppose of the book is to try and take people who can't go underwater or go out on a fishing boat you know to that 
beautiful seabed that that we've got around the Isle of Man and, and tried to bring it to life um, in you know in in um, the way that watching brilliant nature documentaries can do as well. Um, yeah, and I think it's it's. It, it's an ongoing challenge because I think you know a lot, lots of people are becoming more aware, but it's still quite easy to think, oh, it, you know, we can't see what's going on out there. You know, it's it looks a bit boring and, and dismiss it. And I think it's it's there's a parallel with the climate crisis as well because you know we're obviously beginning to see more of those manifestations of climate change. But for a long time, it's been so easy to you know to sort of brush it away because we're not direct, it's not directly in our face what's happening. So yeah, I think I think you know hopefully through words I've I've brought brought those amazing horse mussel reefs and seagrass beds to people that maybe wouldn't otherwise encounter them. And that's, that's what I really hope to do anyway. And I didn't realise as well until I was reading the notes about the book that uh, obviously, again, well known on the island for your work here, conservation work, the uh, marine reserve, but you're also a published poet. Yes, yeah. So it's, um, I suppose when I started to write again about 10 years ago, I, I, I started sending poems off to magazines and, and got some published in different poetry journals but before that I yeah I wrote poetry throughout school and in at university I set up a literary magazine so I you know I had did have that kind of background but yeah there was about 10 years where I just put it all to one side and just concentrated on the the marine science side of things so yeah it's um yeah <laughs> it's it's yeah one of those things that's been bubbling along in the background and I always read a lot of poetry I do love live love poetry so. <laughs> and I also had this line which again is quoted on the, on the back of the book I think uh, from Callum Roberts I think it is who says uh, Fiona writes with the understanding of a scientist and the soul of a poet and it made me think actually again I remember reading years ago about the early Apollo missions and there was a feeling when they were doing their first moonshots that one of the astronauts might be a poet or a writer because they wanted someone who could be able to describe what they were seeing perhaps in a, a more evocative way than maybe someone who's purely science trained could do and, and in many ways I think that's what this book does. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope so. I hadn't heard about that, but yeah, and I think it, again, science and art and the kind of interface of the two is something that I've always been really interested in. How you can use art to communicate, you know, um, the environment mm. and climate better. Um, yeah, so you know, I hope I hope I've managed to to bring those two things together, and you know, and, and hopefully bring marine science and conservation um, and climate change to a different audience. So yeah, that, that <laughs> that's what I hope. The book is published by Videnfield and Nicholson. And that's how they're pronounced. It's widely available. Try your favourite local bookseller. Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Now, here's Owen Atkinson, of course, with the second of his monthly poems, as he continues his year as the current Manx bard. And he's staying with the green theme. I wrote this poem um, very recently. Normally I like to write with pen and paper. But um, these words um, came to me quite quickly, so I used um, the notes app on my phone. It's slightly less glamorous, but um, sometimes you've got to get the words out. I was walking through Axenfell, um, thinking about nature and the way I was responding to it um, and where my mind goes. Um, I've recently been thinking about my own... Um, sense of my own mind and how I react to things and how my thought patterns and processes work and neurodivergence and all those things um and so this poem is about how that interacts with my experience of nature and the poem is called The Overwhelming Nature of Nature Valerian's pepper my path 
crossing over the footfall, making me part the flowers like Moses part of the sea. Stems and grasses graze my calves. Brambles hang on too long, piercing thin fabric, then skin. An overgrown walkway, an overcrowded mind. I'm jealous of the roots of the towering pine and beech. Unlike them, I am never planted in one spot. I wonder, like the fluffing wings of a dandelion pod, like the buzzing vibrato of a mayfly. I try to count the things around me, leaves on wild garlic, notes on a sparrow's song, anything. But my numbers run away from me, like the river water below, splash and drip, babble and flow. For once, I let them. Here it is safe. Trails of thought fly into the distance, midges into the afternoon sun, falling leaves into a stream, a wisp of a cloud floating off in the wind. Trickling waters echo away. I let my mind run free. And it is wonderful. Lovely as ever. We'll be hearing from youth bard Eva Petrova in the next couple of weeks with her next poem. Now more from Steph and Sonia from the Legion Players, who amazingly are celebrating their 90th anniversary this year. That's Steph Gray and Sonia Callan, of course. Last week we chatted with them a little about the formation of the group and its history. But what about what they'll be doing this year to mark their special anniversary? A question I put to Steph. What was lined up? Um, we've been a bit late in the in the day coming up with something exciting. It's been a bit of a challenging year last year for reasons. Um, but we were very fortunate... Um, as is our want, we applied for a licence that's restricted. It was the same with Calendar Girls. Um, and we've been very fortunate to get a, the, the licence for a bunch of amateurs. Now, it was a play that was uh, it was a film originally that was filmed down at Bishopsgate on the Isle of Man in about 2007-8. And my mum actually helped out doing some of the props and met Derek Jacobi. Lovely film, being converted into a, a play script by Ian Hislop of Spitting Image fame. And who's the other gentleman? Nick somebody, I can't remember I can't his remember. name anyway. <laughs> so we're, we're going to be doing that at the Peel Centenary Centre. We have an in association partnership with Peel Centenary. So that's going to be in September. It's, a, I mean, everyone says, oh, it's a very funny script. It is a very funny script. It. Well, it's, well, Ian yeah. has lot, what's there not to laugh about his, his writing? Um, so, yeah, so that's going to be three nights. We're doing um, a Saturday matinee performance. When I was at the theatre recently, um, a few people were saying to me that you know, they, they weren't coming to the theatre because they're still um, they're isolating, they're trying mm-hmm. to shield because they can't have vaccinations. So I thought, well, let's just try doing a safer space p- p- performance on the Saturday afternoon to uh, reduce the ticket numbers, increase the ventilation and have mask wearing. So hopefully people that, that still feel uneasy about going to pack theatres might actually come. So we'll see how it goes. But that's on the Saturday matinee um, on the 24th of September. Excellent. And uh, any names, I take it, it's, it's cast, I take it? It is cast. Son- any Son- names we know? Oh, Sonia is directing. Oh, Sonia, let's mm. tell us more, can you? Well, we've got um, Simon Fletcher, uh, Chris Kane. Oh, I know him. You know I him. know both of them, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's Chris Elstrop, who's in the Legion Chris Players. Elstrop. Yes, yeah. We've got Chris... Laura Jones. Laura Jones, yeah. We've got Cat Court. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got... Seven in the cast... 
Um, and we've got Steph. Oh, we've got of course. Me. And, Pop- yeah. and Poppy. And Poppy, who has not done a play. She's done a lot. Um, she was at stage one drama school for years. And so she's done a lot of acting, a lot of musical theatre stuff. Um, I think this is her first big play. Mm. So that'd be really great for her. And it's a, quite a topical theme in terms of um, trying to save theatres because, as I said before, I was listening to radio, whatever it was, over the weekend and there was Wynne Evans, who is the Go Compare man or the whatever's are available. Um, and his mother was the lady who actually saved a theatre down in Carmarthenshire, the Carmarthenshire Lyric in 1992 by getting, or starting anyway, by getting the um, opening film rights for Jurassic Park by phoning up Steven Spielberg. So it's that it's that desire to, to keep something in the community alive and not knocking it down and building a, a, a you know some sort of yeah. shopping centre or whatever. And the same principle applies to the story behind here. Yes, you've got the, the ageing American star that has been and his his metamorphosis of the play it goes is, on. He's got a fantastic journey throughout the play. It's really, really good, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, It's lovely. Yeah, so it's, it's a warm play and it's very, very funny. If we do it properly. Do. <laughs> Remember the, the lines. It will be done yeah. properly with a yeah. line up like that, won't it? <laughs> so that's happening in September. It is. Going forward again, we've got a, you know, another well, 10 years, a mere 10 years, and it's the centenary coming up. Are there sort of more mm. plans you, you've got sort of coming forward, carrying on with the community theatre? You were mentioning things like the uh, the murder mysteries. Yeah, we've got a few things in the pipeline. I can't probably tell you about just yet. Um, <laughs> but you've got a few things going forward, and it's always about innovating and just doing good drama. I mean, the main thing for me is, like, like Sonia was saying at the very beginning, this is a hobby. This is the thing we do in our spare time. Absolutely. And you have to enjoy it. And that means pulling together, you know, people have work commitments and family commitments and whatever um but again you know the commitment to actually doing something good i mean the the term amateur is something that i know my mum used to get a bit cross at because it only means we don't get paid absolutely doesn't mean that the quality of the production is any less and that's what she was very keen to to put forward because if you're going to do a show you do it properly starting with your shoes and working up that's what (laughs) she always said and do get in touch if you'd like to get involved with the island's oldest as far as we know am dram Group. It's so lovely they're still going despite all the recent hardships we've all endured. Well, today I'm at the funeral of Sir Charles Carouche, um, the first president of Tinwald in the Isle of Man. Man very special to the Manx people. Now another organisation celebrating an anniversary, a bit younger mind, is called Chavannon, 40 this year. And as one of their events to mark that celebration, they've released 40 historical short films documenting aspects of the island's past business and architectural heritage. Culturevannon's online and education officer James Franklin takes up the story. These films are from uh, the start of the 2000s. These are, which doesn't sound perhaps to some of us too long ago, but this is old history now. <laughs> and we are looking, there are a series of 40 films about buildings, events or services which have now long gone, and some of them much missed. And so we have things like um, the final flight of Manx Airlines, the um, a tour of Nobles Hospital, the old Nobles yeah, yeah. Hospital, before it closed finally, or before it was um, changed entirely. Um, a tour inside Balua Church, which the Ramsey ones will know. Um, a tour inside Aquadrome and Summerland and the like. I can see a lot of people being interested in that because it's been just that sort of 
semi-demolition site for two decades or more now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's fascinating. These are from when Charles Gard was at Culture Van and doing his great work. And he recorded all these sorts of films of the changing face of the Isle of Man. And that Summerland Aquadrome one is particularly interesting because he chatted to one of the people who worked there. And so he has these insider stories going up on the roof and seeing up there and going down to the bottom of the building, talking about all the things there, as well as going in all the public spaces. Just fascinating stories and the inside of things. And it's really kind of brings it back. And it really kind of shows how long ago 20 years is in Manx history. As we see these things go or change, we don't think too much about it. But you realise looking back just 20 years, how much has changed over that period and how nostalgic we can be about these parts of our Manx history. And I suppose that's it in that anything particularly buildings and iconic buildings can form a great part of our, our sort of cultural history, thinking about Summerland, thinking about the old noble site and how long that was there. And when it's there, you can't imagine it not being there. It's amazing, and I often think this, and obviously there is building going on all the time, whether it's down in Douglas or down in the North Quay, where you go, and I was down there the other day, and some buildings had gone, and already I'm thinking, what, what did those buildings look like? <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's a, a nice... What I like about these sorts of films, and as I say, you know, uh, recording the changing face of the Isle of Man, and it's a part of what we do at Culture Van, and this idea of recording or capturing or celebrating our identity, who it is and who we are as Manx people. And these sorts of buildings, which are now gone, or these sorts of things, are, are in, in one sense just nostalgic to think about, but in another sense they are a part of our memories and our histories and our stories as Manx people. And looking back at, for me personally, I used to live just beyond Balua Church in Ramsey. And I used to run past it each day because it's this scary, spooky church which which was closed. And looking back now, it's now someone's beautiful house. But watching this video from the inside of this church and chatting to the vicar there... It's an amazing thing of my own story and my history seeing this thing. And it's lovely to have these films recorded back in the day and to put them back now for people to enjoy, feel nostalgic over and to engage with. And I suppose it also sort of begs the question to a degree, doesn't it? You think about um, cultural heritage and you think about... Uh, these films coming out, and I suppose a lot of the time you think about cultural heritage, you're thinking about language, you're thinking about customs, you're thinking about music. But I suppose, you know, infrastructure and services and buildings do play a part in our culture. Absolutely. I think it's it's uh, not quite as um, uh, pizzazzy or exciting, perhaps, as a fine bit of Manx dance or music or something like that. And I can't imagine many people sitting down to look at roadworks, but... Um, when you do see these films of the Iris sewage network, which are in here, or the the Manx gas plant and South Quay, these are, looking back, fascinating things, which will be the backdrop to many of our lives all these years ago. And it's, it's uh, so important to see these sorts of things, which we always perhaps saw as just background. But of course, they were a part of the lives we have lived and the lives we are living all the time. The million-dollar question is, where do people find them? The Culture Vanner website, of course, and our YouTube page, of course. 
That's about it. This week, we'll go out with a snippet of what surely is the new TT anthem for our times. It's called Road Racer from Ireland band Mad Daddy. It's rocking, as they say, and rolling. And they're on the money since they changed their name from Normal Nana. Don't forget, if you want to hear anything again, go to manxradio.com, download the Spotlight podcast, listen at your leisure. Drop me a line with any artistic thoughts or ideas. Stay creative, mind the bikes. I'll see you next week. Cheerio. Go, go, racing.